sit down, grab a blanket, and snuggle up with your furry family, because it's time for Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, where Dr. Michael Takiwa will discuss everything you need to know to keep your fuzzy friends happy, healthy, and safe. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Here he is now, only on 107.7 The Bronx. Good morning. Welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about poop. Very important term, very important idea. And believe it or not, it's incredibly important for your pets. Um, yeah, even on our, um, we had the spinning wheel that for events that if you spun something, you win. And so there's different categories. We actually created a category called Everybody Poops because everybody poops everybody poops and so um it's important to talk about that and we'll 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 get into the details of this as time goes on but i wanted to start up by talking about things that are important in poop namely gastrointestinal parasites and what we'll do is we'll divide up the parasites common in cats none of those common in dogs the most common ones that i typically see in practice and and what we do to test for them and how we can prevent them so why don't we start with uh, gastrointestinal or GI parasites in cats. I guess one of the main things I have to stress and separate here is that um, when we test a stool sample, we're not testing for heartworm. Um, I, I, I say this a lot. There, there's a there's a definitive difference between testing for heartworm disease in your pet and testing for GI parasites. And I think the confusion arises when you you use uh, heartworm prevention that we give to both cats and dogs, and a lot of them can actually do some GI parasites, prevent some GI parasites, so that's the confusion there. But a heartworm test is, is performed by checking a blood sample. Heartworm is a parasite that lives in the bloodstream of your pets. So checking a blood sample is how we test for heartworm disease. Gastrointestinal parasites, as their name derives, they live in the gastrointestinal tract. Um, so let's start with cats. So common uh, parasites in cats include roundworms. They include hookworms. They include tapeworms, whipworms, um, and they can get coccidia, and they can get giardia. Um, the most common ones we see in the cats really are roundworms and tapeworms. Those are the most common ones we see. So, um, but how do we know they're there? Well, a lot of times that if a cat has vomiting, diarrhea, bloody stool, um, they can cough, they can have a dull hair coat, um, decreased appetite, um, pot belly appearance, um, and in worst cases, they can actually become anemic or have a, a low blood cell. So those are, those are typical signs we see. Um, what you'll find is that in many kittens, the veterinarian's going to do a deworming series. So um, what, what we're doing typically is we're treating for roundworms. Um, they're the most common. Um, they can affect up to a range of 25 to 75% of cats and a higher rate in kittens. Um, they can be quite big, um, they're white in color, and they, they survive by attaching to the walls of the intestine 
And as all parasites do, they kind of live off the host. Um, so your cat typically becomes infected with roundworms um, by ingesting eggs or rodents that have larvae in their tissue. Um, the mom can actually infect a kitten. Uh, it can be passed through the milk and can the parasite can't pass across the placenta. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, we typically, uh, treat for in, um, in kittens. And we, and we, we joke about their pot belly appearance and we, we typically deworm them. So that, that's what you'll see is, um, is something like that. Um, Giardia is something, well, tapeworms are something that are common. Um, tapeworms actually look like little flecks of rice. And um, again, like many GI parasites, the adult tapeworm lives in the small intestine. Um, and again, because they're parasites, they live off the host. Um, typically, the cat becomes infected with the tapeworm, usually while ingesting fleas and fleas that are infected. Um, that's what we usually find. So whenever someone talks about, I think there's tapeworms on my pet, the first thing that your veterinarian is going to do is, well, are you using flea and tick preventative? Because usually it's, it's by when you gnaw at the skin, when they're gnawing at the skin because they're itchy, that tends to be how they ingest tapeworms. Um, and the la last common one that I find with, with cats is giardia. Um, we're finding it more than we think. So, um, it's, it, what, what I don't like about Giardia for both cats and dogs is it's very persistent, resistant, um, uh, protozoa. Um, they, they get infected by either ingesting the cysts, um, in the feces of another infected animal, usually a litter mate or chronic carrier cat. Um, they're more common in multi-cat households. Um, and again, young ones are, are more susceptible. So you're gonna find that young cats and dogs are more susceptible simply because they don't really have a, a resistant immune system. And, and that would apply the same to older pets as well. So those are the three most common ones we see um, and there's different treatments for each one. Oh, I forgot one. I forgot one. Toxoplasma. Um, you're going to know this. Uh, it comes up a lot for people, uh, for when people are talking about having kids, when they're, when there's a, a risk in pregnancy to get this. Um, so cats typically become infected by this, by eating, um, the cysts in prey or raw meat. Um, and it is important um, for immune compromised humans or pregnant women not to deal with their, with the cat feces. So that's why it's always, hey, someone has to go clean the, the cat litter box. Um, but there's a, there's a huge risk in, in raw meat. Um, so just dealing with, with meat is a huge issue for people, um, for women who are pregnant. Um, so 
I'll get into this with the dogs, but our, our diagnosis is usually through what we do is we send the, the fecal sample to the lab. Um, there are still some vets who actually spin down the uh, fecal samples and what happens is the eggs can float up. Um, you use special media and the eggs will float up and then you put them on a microscope and you're looking, we're basically looking for the actual eggs themselves. And so um, there is a chance that sometimes you can get a false negative reading. Um, what the lab does is they actually start using uh, immunohistochemistry and looking for antigens, um, specific antigens for particular parasites that they are. Um, so treatment depends on what sort of bug you got, what sort, not bug, what sort of parasite you have. And there's very, various paras, uh, anti-parasitic medications for that. Um, and then you want to prevent reinfection or prevent um, contamination or infection is, is tip, typically done through good sanitation um, protocols, removing the, cleaning out the cat litter box daily, washing the litter box out with disinfected, um, diluted household bleach works great. Um, avoid, you know, diets with raw meats, um, controlling your flea, tick, and rodent populations, um, and avoid, like, overcrowding issues with the litter box. Those are great ways to avoid some contaminations in cats. But th those are the common ones that I see in practice um, with, with cats. Okay, we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back and talk about dogs. Stay tuned right here on Your Pet Matters, 1077, 1077, the We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077, The Bronx. Hey, Pet Nation, it's Dr. T here, and I'm really excited because I am talking to the co-founders of, um, of Dig Labs, um, Jessica Chu is the COO and Tara Zadeko is the CEO and they created, they're creating this app that can look at your poop. So I was talking about poop as being the main, the main content of the, of the radio show this week. So, um, talking about poop, poop's very important. Everybody poops. It's one of those things that really happens, but they're going to look at your pet's poop, um, and through. If, correct me if I'm wrong, we have some great algorithms that's going to identify parasites in your pet's poop. And I don't want to go into detail because this is all still in development. And, uh, you know, I think it's very exciting because, as, as you know, GI parasites are huge. They're huge in the vet world. And with, uh, with the changing environment, with global warming, I have personally seen parasites just flourish, which is really not a good thing. Um, so I'm really excited about this product. But the, the beauty about these guys are they're, they're not veterinarians. And from what I understand the backgrounds, they really don't have much to do with anything within the vet field. They're definitely pet parents. They're definitely pet lovers. Um, and like any great entrepreneurial story, they thought of an idea and they're implementing it into reality. And so what I'd like to do, guys, is, is A, first, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Okay, great. And what I'd like to do is just like for each of you, can you just let me know how do you get from where you are? So if you could let our listening and viewing audience know exactly what you do for a living other than this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial route, and then how did it come to developing an app about poop? I'll let you go first, Tara. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Dr. T. 
Um, it's so excited, so exciting to meet you and someone that's local. I live in Hunterdon County, New Jersey. Um, so my journey started way back in college as a biomedical engineering student and a material science student at Cornell University. Um, and there, what I did was I did research to nanotechnology um, related to cancer drugs. So essentially, I created nanoparticles that by changing the pH um, inside a cancer cell, the nanoparticles changed color. And so what we could do is using a microscope, we could detect pH changes in cancer cells to develop better chemotherapies. Um, so the red thread in my career has always been this idea of how can we see things that we traditionally haven't been able to see before so that we can develop new technologies um, that can advance science. Um, so fast forward, I ended up joining Johnson & Johnson's research and development program um, in the consumer organization where we developed baby products, um, adult skincare products, feminine care products, etc. And I spent six years there developing products um, that are used by consumers all around the world. Um, I ended up going back for my MBA um, and at NYU and then moved into the brand management side where I led brands like Aveeno, Rogaine, and Neosporin. Um, and I think there what I really learned was this appreciation for consumers um, and the insights that they drew um, and so how we can make better products and bring them to market. Um, and then that's actually when I met Jess. So I'll let Jess tell her part of the story and then we can proceed with kind of how we came together. Wow. Yeah, I'm Jess. I um, got my, well, I guess to back way up, um, I've always had a love for one, helping people, and then two, a passion for animals, specifically dogs. So I wanted to grow up and be a veterinarian when I was little. Life took me a different path. I ended up going into the very similar field of mergers and acquisitions and finance. <laughs> <laughs> and so was in management consulting for several years before I had the realization that when I thought about my career, I wanted to do, like, I wanted to be in a career where I had more ownership and got to work on the same projects, the same problems every day. And so that led me to Johnson & Johnson, which is where I met Tara after completing my MBA at NYU. And... Um, throughout this time in graduate school, I started fostering dogs. So I fostered over 53 dogs. Um, I'm very involved within the rescue community. That's kind of how I continue to red thread giving back. Um, so I'm familiar with shelter medicine, parvo, kennel cough, GI parasites, as you mentioned, a lot of the things that come across, especially since many of the rescues um, that I support pull from like Texas, the South, where those things are more prevalent. Yeah. So, so it, at, at the end of this, I do want to talk to you guys just about being role models, especially <laughs> in today's day and age of, you know, we're talking about those Asian hate crime things and everything like that. And so it, it, this is blowing me away. And so it, Terry, you're talking about like cell targeted uh, cancer research, which is huge in itself. Neosporin, who does not use Neosporin? I'm telling clients, yeah, put Neosporin on it twice a day, right? But that will be called triple antibiotic ointment. But I mean, it, it's it's just amazing. And, and then, Jess, you're talking about your marketing and everything like that and 50 rescue dogs. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm not worthy right now. That's how I feel like as, as an Asian right now. Um, but that that's amazing. So 
So we've got this uh, great story of, of two people who really didn't know each other having similar long-term goals in the back of their head and developing this. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so, so okay, go ahead. Let yep. me tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was um, Jess and I were on the same team when we were in marketing um, and became really great friends. And out of that, um, life kind of took us in slightly different directions. So I actually went back to do a stint in um, external innovation where I was meeting startups for skin health on a daily basis and being so inspired by what they were doing. Jess left J&J to pursue uh, a career at a beauty company. Uh, and we got together one night and we were commiserating around how difficult it was to take care of our rescues. So I had at the time a 10 year old Shepsky mix who's now 13. Um, Jess um, was on, I think her like 30th, 32nd foster maybe. Um, and we were talking about how it's just such a shame when we look at the advancements in human healthcare, everything from, to your point, personalized cell therapies to um, precision, um, supplements that, you know, you take a quiz and you can know what to take. Um, and we were talking about how these unexplained digestive issues keep popping up with our rescues. And wouldn't it be great if there was a way for us to communicate better with them? Um, because what happens is, unfortunately, they're suffering in silence. And, you know, as avid pet parents, we're looking for clues. We're always looking for clues. Is it, um, is it like the start of diarrhea? Is it um, unexplained gurgly belly? And, you know, unfortunately, we're just not great at being detectives for our dogs. So it will bubble up into an emergency situation like bloody stool or something before we're like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. <laughs> um, so we're like, there has to be a better way for us to listen to our pets. And that sort of sparked this um, side hustle, which became Dig Labs. Um, so our first uh, foray into pet care was actually looking to develop personalized probiotics. And what we learned was in order to develop those, we needed to perform microbiome DNA sequencing on the stool, which was time consuming and expensive. Um, it, and actually the science of microbiome is quite nascent, as I'm sure you know, Dr. T. Um, so we realized that that might be a 20 year goal, but maybe not um, a 2019 goal, which is when we started. So instead, what we decided to do was launch a personalized supplements um, in order to start addressing some of the needs we saw. But unfortunately, what kept coming back to us was this inability of pet parents to tell us what was wrong with their pets. So, you know, we could only develop a supplement as well as the pet parent could communicate what was happening. And the more we dug deeper into this, the more we realized that the real insight here was developing these communication tools through science. Um, and that's when, you know, being inspired by beauty technology, um, computer vision, the ability for computers to read CT scans and, and sort of like take over some of the, the manual detection. Um, we wondered, you know, instead of scooping poop and sticking it into a vial, what if we took photos of the stool, how much could we learn? And what are the, like, what are the coolest thing that we could learn from a photo of poop? Um, so then what we did was we, um, we had pet parents take photos of their dog's poop and send them to us. We also um, did these discovery projects to understand, okay, well, what, what can we, what can we visualize from the microbiome? If we do microbiome assessments and take stool photos at the same time, can we create associations there? And then to your point on parasites, you know, obviously that was 
um, the biggest um, need when we spoke to veterinarians and technicians. So we decided to see what we could do in the parasite world. And we're really excited to continue that research right now. That, that's amazing. So, so, so basically you're talking about AI technology, right? To help the, and, and it's, it's so funny cause I can't tell you how many, um, I, I know an entrepreneur, um, he created a, when I met him, he's using the iPod camera system, but this high resolution camera system. So he developed a way to hook it up to do, um, nasal scoping and ear scope because he goes, everyone can buy like a $200, um, iPod and use that. So you guys are using this technology cause I mean, one of the most powerful cameras we have in our life and everyone has one is right here. Exactly. Um, you know, even though I'm still a, I'm still a purist. I like the DSLR lens, yeah. but, but the, like, this is, this is so close. I can't tell you. Um, it really is amazing. To, and it's honestly yeah. the only reason why we're able to do something like this today. Right. If yeah. you think about five years ago, even the technologies and smartphones aren't where they are today. And Jeff and I really wanted to develop something that could be accessible, right? Like we didn't want to develop a technology that only the top 1% could afford. You know, pets are everything. They're our life, they're our love. And so we, it, we felt like it was our personal mission to make sure that we could democratize access to science and technology. It's it, it amazing. Your, your value system is blowing me away because, um, you know, I always go back to why are we doing what we do, right? So how passionate are we about life and everything? And you guys have a great why. You guys have a great why. Um, so tell me more about this. So you've got this app. And so so do I just literally go to my backyard, take a photo of my dog's poop? And then it'll say what? What will it tell me? Just the answer. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> as simple as go into your backyard, Dr. T. Get as close as you can, snap a quick photo. You can also snap a photo and then upload it if that's easier. And then we will tell you if things are directionally looking good, if there's something that looks a little bit amiss and you should probably keep monitoring as well as recommendations um, based on what we're detecting to help um, alleviate any stress or issues that we're seeing. And then lastly, if things are looking more serious, then we'll recommend that you go to your veterinarian for an in-person consultation or contact them along with tips. And one of the tips that we are very passionate about is to make sure that folks know that they should be bringing in that next stool sample. So that way further diagnostics can happen to triage and figure out what exactly is the cause of the symptom. That's awesome. And then, so from my perspective, as a practicing veterinarian, do you, do you foresee it? So I, I can't tell you how many poop samples come through the door. I can't tell you how many photos of poop. You know, my dog has diarrhea. I, I, I'm not sure if I want to come in. So they send a photo via email, right? So I can't tell you how many, I should make a wall of poop photos. Um, but so from my perspective, so, so what I do is the poop sample comes in because nine times out of 10, they just want to start with a poop sample. And then I send that to the lab. So I have to wait 24 hours before I visually get a response. So do you foresee this, that I just literally, I open up the bag or the Tupperware, wherever they put the poop in and I could take a photo then and I could, I could kind of get an idea of what's going on or like how, what's the accuracy here? Would, would I be able to go, okay, so it's, it's indicating, let's say it's indicating there's a strong possibility of Giardia and I could actually, actually maybe even give that client something to go home with. Is that how you uh, picture this? 
that is the dream, right? So that would be nirvana for us. And that's honestly what we're working for, what we're working toward right now. So I'm said another way, the idea would be if we could create models that would say, you know, um, Dr. T, your dog, we think that um, she has a 70% chance of Giardia, a 50% chance of hookworm or roundworm based on this sample. Um, but of course, our goal is not to replace the lab, right? Our goal is to become a complement to that um, continuous care. Um, so we're really excited about being able to help provide precision to pet parents in their moment of need, either if it's on a walk or if um, they're, they're having a pet sitter and the pet sitter is seeing something weird, they can text a photo. Um, and then even beyond that, of course, we're really passionate in the wellness space. So that's some of the work that we're doing with microbiome, for example. Where through photos, um, we've already developed the capability to predict the carbohydrate load of the dog's diet based on um, a series of stool photos taken over a consecutive amount of time. So, for example, I'm sure you can imagine how useful that could be to your practice if you could help provide a macronutrient recommendation or you could say to a pet parent, you know, I know you're feeding grain free, but apparently your pet is getting too many carbs. Like what treats are you feeding them, for example? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of challenges when it comes to being a pet parent, as, vi as vigilant as you can be, carbs can sneak in or things can sneak in. So as much as we try and track what's on the label of the main food, sometimes we're not necessarily getting a picture of that whole diet. So that's another example of something that we're really excited to provide in terms of getting to holistic health and wellness and providing that long-term everyday type of um, tracking capability. Oh man, I'm, I'm, if you notice, I'm taking notes here because I've got all these ideas that, and people I want to connect you guys with. I think that, you know, in, in my profession, uh, nutrition is something that I, I've had a few associates who had a passion for it, but generally we don't, we, we really don't go down that road. And um, there is, so speaking of which, I'm gonna connect you with a, a veterinary nutritionist. I know she's local too. Um, she's one of the only few practicing in private practice and she's phenomenal. I think you guys would hit it off. And so there's Thank open you. avenues there for you guys. So, um, yeah. Uh, oh, this is, this is interesting. Microbiome to think. Okay. I see tons of great possible futures with this thing. And so, Thank so you. how, <laughs> so how can, how can the pet parents out there? So, um, I understand that you guys, you know, in help, in order to help you um, get the specifics and get this system down right, you need poop samples. So how can either, uh, I know you say you work with shelters, you want to work with veterinarians, you want to work with pet parents. How can the listening and viewing audience out there help you guys get more data? What, what's the goal there? Thanks for asking. Um, so right now we do have a version of our app available on the App Store um, and we're calling it our beta version. Um, it's the Dig Labs Health Check. So anyone with an iPhone um, can download it and give it a try with their stool with stool photos. And like Jess said, you can take some stool photos um, at your leisure, or you know, as the dog. Obviously, we can't time a dog's poop, so as the dog is ready, and then upload them later via the app. Um, and what we're looking to do right now is we're looking to basically test the algorithms, right? We're looking to understand how well are they working, how can we fine tune them. Um, so Jess and I actually personally review every single photo that comes through um, because we want to make sure that there is a great experience for uh, pet parents. 
Um, and as the technology scales, obviously the, the idea is that that can go away um, and then we can be more autonomous with, with the app. But for now, um, based on the development stage that we're in, we want to make sure that everyone has a great experience. And what we're doing is, depending on the schools that we're seeing, we're reaching out to pet parents and offering them a kit to send back a sample of the stool in combination with a photo so that we can continue to develop this parasite technology that we've Wow. And that would, of course, be free of charge. Everything is free right now. So the app is free. The assessments are free. Um, and because this is really around developing the technology so that we can provide it to as many pet parents as possible in the future. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I would add, if there is anyone who's listening and you work in, in animal rescue, specifically dog rescue, or you're a volunteer, um, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us, email us. We have an ongoing parasite project where we're looking to collect fecal samples from dogs that have recently been transported or currently are living in the South um, and Southeast regions. Um, so we can continue to build up the amazing technologies that we talked about earlier, Dr. T, such as like, there's a 70% chance that your dog might have Giardia or hookworm. So if you're out there, we would love to connect with you um, and have you join our Parasite Research Program. That's amazing. Um, I thought of more names that I'm going to connect you guys after the show. Uh, but <laughs> and I got to tell you, so if, if, if something came up like that and said, hey, there's a 80% chance of uh, Giardia and 70% chance of hookworms, you guys have basically enabled me to actually start a treatment protocol. I could literally, I could literally start a treatment protocol with that pet. So as the accuracy gets better, oh my God. And, and the other trend is, is that I know you don't want to take away from labs and I understand that. And, you know, I work closely with the, the big lab companies, but the, the trend is now to get desktop in-house items. And so, you know, we've moved from just blood. Now we have urine. Now there's um, slide histopath analysis all coming to the desktop for in-house use on vets and so just you know adding this to that mix it'll be like a one-stop um, analysis which again from my perspective to be able to actually diagnose a pet that fast is right so if they come in with severe bloody diarrhea right we're we're running um, a multitude of tests finding out what's going on so i can do the blood work I can check the urine, I can take radiographs, I can get in and do, do what I always do, do a rectal exam and everything, but I don't know if there's a parasite. I don't know if the parasite was the inciting cause, right? And so from a treatment standpoint, you're going, okay, we're gonna treat whatever, but we always hold off on the parasite treatment or we do best guess. We go, okay, let's treat regardless, but it would be great to know what's going on in there. And then to add to that, well, your pet is lacking this, that, and this. Nutrition is so huge on getting these pets back to health. This is just, this is blowing my mind. Blowing my mind because you guys drive by my clinic, right? You guys, <laughs> my mind. In the, no one knows where Skillman Blomberg is, right? Yeah. I bet you, listening to the audience, tell me where Skillman Blomberg is, but it's, it's like, this is blowing my mind. This is awesome. This is awesome. Thank you. And one question for you, Dr. Yeah. What's something that we haven't talked about that based on our capabilities you think we could provide to the pet parents or to the veterinary um, practices that um, you think would be just 
you know, game changing in, in addition to like and different from what we've already discussed. You want to know what you guys can provide for me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, well, I think the way it should work is just, it's all about data, right? It's all about volume and data. So I think initially we should just be doing this poop thing. So I think that what, what I'm taking off the top of my head is that um, finding a way, because I, how many fecal samples do I do a day? At least 10 to 20. 10 to 20 fecal samples a day come through the door, right? Almost every appointment that comes in, we have a fecal sample. I think that if we get that data that way, I think it, it'll be best. I think that generally for you two, I mean, just, I, I could just throw out there areas that I think are lacking in the vet profession. Just, I, I'd rather do that than and sure. you guys just, you guys just have this mindset that you're looking for, you know, as all entrepreneurs do, um, find the solution to a problem, right? So I think that I can do that. And ironically, nothing to do with this is both of you have management experience, right? So one of the big areas in vet medicine is management. So we'll, we'll talk after about things like that, but I'm just, I mean, what this app is going to do just from a diagnostic treatment protocol itself is amazing. But yeah, let's have, um, I think we should have a discussion about other avenues out there. Great, That'll well, thank good, you but... so much for having us. Yeah, not a problem. Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes, it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producer's Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Hello everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer, Wade Buchanan, and today I want to discuss the top 10 facts about dog paws. Possibly the underdog of our canine companion's much-loved features, dog paws are fascinating pieces of anatomy and not to be sniffed at. So here are 10 of the favorite facts about dog paws. Number one is that dog paws are made up of five parts. The claws, the digital pads, which are the toes, the metacarpal pad, which is the pad in the middle, and the dew claw and the carpinal pad, the pads furthest back. The digital and metacarpal pads protect the bone and joints of a dog's foot by acting as shock absorbers, and the carpal pads act as a rear brake helping dogs, particularly adventure seekers, navigate steep or slippery slopes of surfaces. Number two, dog paws are weatherproof. The pads have a thick layer of fatty tissue that protects our furry friend's feet from freezing in cold temperatures. When the pad gets cold, the arteries within the foot transfer the cold blood back to the body where then it is warmed. This fascinating bodily process has led scientists to believe that our canine companions first evolved in colder climates. Number three is that they are sensitive to heat. Hot surfaces, such as pavement, can cause dogs' feet to blister and burn. So be careful when you're walking your pooch during the summer months. Number four is that dogs walk on their toes. Man's best friend is a digigrade animal, unlike humans who take most of our weight on our heels. Dogs will take their weight on their toes, meaning their toe bones are very important. Number five is that dogs sweat through their paws. The inner layer of skin on a dog's paw contains sweat glands, 
These transport perspiration to the outer layer, cooling the hot dog down as well as preventing the pads from drying out. And like humans, if a dog is nervous or stressed, their paws will also exude moisture. Number six is that dog paws can smell like popcorn. If you ever noticed your dog's paws smelling like popcorn or corn chips, it's likely they have Frito feet. As our canine companion's feet always are in contact with the ground, they naturally pick up a lot of microorganisms, and when dogs sweat, the combination of bacteria and moisture creates a salty snack-like smell. Number seven is dogs use their paws as stress balls. If your dog begins to lick or chew their feet excessively, this could be a sign that your furry friend is feeling stressed. Excessive licking or chewing can result in your dog's paws becoming infected and needing a visit to the vets. Number eight is dogs have thumbs. Well, not exactly, but a dog's dew claw is thought to be the equivalent of a human thumb. The majority of canines have dew claws in the front of their legs. However, some breeds also have them on their hind legs. Made up of bone and muscle, dew claws are not essential to domestic dogs, although some will use them to provide a firmer grip on something that they are chewing. Number nine is some dogs have webbed feet. Dogs that are renowned for their swimming ability, such as Newfoundlands and Portuguese water dogs, have webbed feet to help them push themselves through water. Dachshunds also have webbed feet, and although their original purpose was to hunt and dig out small game, these unlikely looking dogs love to swim, but should always be supervised. Number 10 is all dog paws are different. Despite all dog paws being made up of five parts, there are still different styles of doggy feet. Dogs such as Bull Terriers, Old English Sheepdogs, and Akitas have cat feet. The shape of the paws have a short third digital bone, leaving the paw more compact, like a cat. It requires less energy to lift and in turn increases the dog's endurance. Hair feet, which has notably longer middle toes, enables faster running and can be found on breeds such as Greyhounds, Simuyeds, and Bedlington Terriers. Dogs that are native to some of the coldest countries of the world, such as St. Bernard's, have far wider paws than those of the same size and build. Their larger pads allow them to grip and walk safely on snow and ice. I can also agree with some of these facts because um, when I had my dog Shep, we took him outside one time and he was running around normally just fine, you know, having fun as he does. And all of a sudden he comes back limping and we're just like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? He was chasing something in the back and uh, something poked through his paw. We don't really know what it was or what happened, but um, he was licking it a lot. He was kind of like limping on one foot. Uh, he couldn't put a lot of pressure on it. And that wasn't just a result of the leg because it really only got to the paw. Now, subsequently this would lead uh, him to not be as active as he currently was. But that was fine because we were okay with um, just having a break from all the chasing. But yes, unfortunately, this is all the time I have for this episode. Tune in next time where I give you more tips, tricks, and overall stories to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Till then, back to Dr. T and your pet matters. I'm your producer, Wave Buchanan, and I will see you all in the next one.
Stay safe, everybody. That was today's segment of Producers Pet Project. Your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time. And for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producers Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. Uh, welcome back to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and we've been talking about um, poop, and specifically before we talked about the gastrointestinal parasites that cats can get. Um, I guess at this point in time, it's it's important to talk about... we, we, we we label them as worms. So gastrointestinal parasites, we typically label them as worms, um, and we use preventatives. So for dogs now, your 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 heartworm preventative. Remember, heartworm is a bloodborne parasite. Also helps prevent gastrointestinal parasites. Um, so I like HeartGuard, HeartGuard Plus. It really helps with rounds and hookworms. Um, and you know, roundworms are one of the most common GI parasites. Um, they tend to be long and thin like spaghetti um, and can be passed on through the placenta, through milk, and can be ingested. Um, also, you can be contaminated, A not you, a puppy can be contaminated after ingesting uh, roundworm eggs um, from, that's from another infected puppy. I guess another concept is sometimes we get these pets that come in and they're they're infected, and so you need to know that many of these parasites, roundworm being one of them, they're they're very resistant, um, and they're resistant to both weather and chemicals, and so they can maintain in the environment and be reinfected. Um, Giardia is another one that comes to mind. Um, the most common GI parasites that I see in dogs are roundworms. Um, Giardia, coccidia, those are the typical three common ones that come through the clinic that we see. Um, I've had had some hooks, I had had some whipworms, um, but those are the typical ones that we see. Um, the, the hookworms are are kind of, they're, they're nasty. Have you ever seen a picture of a hookworm? They're, they're quite nasty looking and a severe hookworm infection can actually lead to a lot of bloody stool and anemia in your pets. Um, so it's one of those things that really um, is, is of concern. But like I said, I don't see a lot of hookworms. Um, maybe it's because a lot of the dogs are on the preventative, um, but rarely do I see hookworms. Um, Giardia is one that, that we see quite a lot. Um, they can lead to diarrhea, but I've also seen a lot of chronic diarrhea with um, Giardia, or sometimes they show no clinical signs at all, but we pick up uh, an infection. So that's the importance. I, I know I talked about last time that during the puppy and kitten visits, I think there's there's two important concepts to be done. We actually do a series of dewormings. We actually do a series of fecal checks. Um, inevitably, we do find a form of GI parasite. It's more often than not, there's a GI parasite in a new puppy or kitten, and it doesn't matter where you get them. Um, and then they're going to need to be treated. Um, the good news is they're going to be on a preventative like HeartGuard, which can help prevent the uh, reoccurrence or occurrence of, of 
GI parasites. But sometimes if the GI parasite is in, um, for example, in Giardia, you can get it from drinking standing water. So if your pet is frequently doing that or Giardia exists in your area, your neck of the woods, your home, your lawn, it can lead to a reinfected um, situation. So that's the importance of constantly checking fecals. In fact, the CDC recommends that you check um, fecals, you know, three to four times a year. So that's what our reminders are for a practice. And it's very important to do that. Um, yeah, it's very important to do that. Just like cats. If you hear ringing in the back, that's my dog's bell <laughs> ringing in the back. Um, just like cats, um, if a pet gets fleas and starts to gnaw at their skin because they're itchy and ingest the fleas, they, they run the risk of actually getting tapeworms. Um, and they are those worms that look like greens of rice. Um, it's, it's one of those things um, that you see somewhat often in practice. Um, much less so now that the tick and flea preventatives are used on a regular basis. Um, and it's funny, I, I can't tell you how many uh, situations I see where dogs come from breeders and they've been dewormed by certain things and it, it, it looks like there's multiple dewormers used and when I usually see situations like that, I do worry about uh, chronic um, GI parasitic infestation or a lot of times I'll see, oh, they use this dewormer which kills Giardia, they use this dewormer which deals with uh, roundworms. But I bet you this dog got coccidia, <laughs> and nine times out of ten, um, we'll see that. Um, coccidia is something that is quite common. Um, I see in a lot of GI parasite cases. So, like any GI parasite, the, the best way of diagnosing is to actually get a fecal sample. Um, and then that fecal sample is analyzed for looking at the eggs or the, or the actual, uh, you know, uh, DNA of the particular GI parasite, and then we treat. Um, and so you're going to see different treatments, different durations. Some GI parasites, it's a, it's, it's a treatment today and a treat, repeat retreatment in three weeks. Um, other GI parasites, um, that's typically what we do with like roundworms in my practice. If you have Giardia, we do a combination of um, metronidazole, which is known as flagell in the human world, and um, Panicure, um, which is a powder. And we, I typically treat for five days for that and then recheck a fecal in about a month. Um, coccidia is something that I treat for about 10 days. Um, you're gonna see variations in treatments, but I've never had success in the, in the minimal treatment, the three-day treatment um, for um, coccidia. So, so the bottom line is, is it's very important. Your, your pet's poop is very important. It's very important to check your pet's poop. Um, if you do see uh, loose stool on a regular basis, if your pet is vomiting, uh, sometimes roundworms can be vomited up. Um, if your pet has bloody stool, um, those are signs that you definitely should call your veterinarian. At the very least, you should get a fecal checked. Um, and if your pet ever is, is ever diagnosed with GI parasites, they definitely need to be treated. And um, you need to recheck that fecal sample to make sure that the treatment has been complete. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, not, I'm, I'm gonna say lab error, it's not lab error. So what can happen is, um, Giardia specifically, the, 
The Giardia bugs themselves can be treated, but the antigen positive can remain for a bit, and the labs are really working hard on making it so that when they do those um, DNA tests that things are um, accurate so that it's not just um, continued infection. I remember uh, working with the rescue group and they kept on saying, you know, we're treating Giardia all the time, but it keeps on coming back, keeps on coming back. Well, the actual Giardia eggs themselves were not present, but the antigen stimulation still existed. So um, I think you have to base it on clinical signs and uh, what things look like with respect to things like this. But in the same manner, you can get a positive sample on a regular basis because your pet is getting reinfected. So dogs that are nose to ground, they eat stuff off the ground. Dogs that eat their own poop, uh, hence known as coprophagia, um, they are at higher risk of getting GI parasite. Many dogs out there like eating deer poop, bunny poop, goose poop, whatever poop, um, they are at a high risk of getting GI parasites. So you have to be careful about situations like that. And those of you that eat, use raw diets, um, there are, there, there's a lot of evidence that the freezing process um, does not kill GI parasites. So it's very common in raw diets that you could have GI parasite issues. In addition to salmonella, so you have to be very careful about things like that. So when you get a reminder from your vet, hey, it's time to check a poop sample, it's, it's not like, you know, I don't know, we're, we're, the, we're the only profession that wants someone poops. Hey, do we need a poop sample? Or some of these, do we need a pee sample? But it's very important that you get these samples checked. It's very important. I think it's uh, beneficial to your pet's health. Um, there are GI parasites that can actually infect us. Hence the term zoonotic, which is why the CDC is getting involved in things um, to make sure that, that we're clean of everything like that. So that's poop in a nutshell. And we'll, um, we'll see you at the next meeting of the minds here on Your Pet Matters. Stay tuned every Saturday at 10 a.m. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. That was Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. You can tune in right here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or to hear more right now, you can go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters, where you can download past episodes as podcasts on your favorite platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's progressiveveterinarycare.com. We'll see you next time, only on 1077 The Bronx.